movies. I like I I, I sit down and watch one. Well, technically, I have seen half of Winter Soldier without sound on because someone was watching it on a plane I was on. <laughs> so mm. just watching it behind them. <laughs> <laughs> so I know there's like some guy in like a bird suit and then some guy with the metal arms. I I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't. <laughs> what a great synopsis. You, you should do one of those, like, um, uh, you know, a girl that has only seen half of Winter Soldier without sound on gives a review. <laughs> and then you're like, something, something, bird suit, guy with a metal arm. Uh, Two guys running around Washington, D.C. Yeah, eight out of ten. I don't know what happened. Um, <laughs> so, hey, Jordan, you know what's really interesting? Yes. Interesting. No. We say interesting a lot. Oh, okay. So we did. Th- we were going to do that drinking game. It's the middle of the day. I'm not going to drink right now. <laughs> oh, no, I just... don't want to actually drink. I just, uh, mostly because I just, fun facts. I think alcohol tastes gross. But I, you can see me because we're, I, you see me on webcam. If you see this is my dog's favorite toy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was thinking that every time we say it, just a little. <laughs> 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 It's a pig. Well, I, say. I mean, in the interest of like, if you know, because the beauty of a podcast is you can listen to it uh, whenever you want, which is very nice to hear, by the way, that people are listening to multiple episodes back to back now that we have a little bit of a catalog going. But yeah, if someone were listening and, and wanting to partake in the drinking game, I don't remember the exact rules. Um, if I can actually find that tweet, I would read them just in case anyone wanted a refresher. But one of the rules was anytime you or I say the word interesting, mm. uh, take a drink. Yeah. And it, like, I don't know why we do that. There's just some words that people, I think, attach themselves to, and they say it a lot. And I I know I have a few. So I think this is is something I've learned in therapy, that if someone, like, is saying something a lot that they shouldn't have, like, make a sound or movement so they become aware of it and try to break the habit. So this is just kind of this little pig (laughs) just lets us know that we're saying it too much. It kind of, like, lets us more aware of it. So... I think, I think as a writer, it's one of those things that I would edit out with extreme prejudice. Like, I, for also, I don't like the word very, because anyone who's uh, ever read Elements of Style, which is like the classic style guide um, by Strunk and White, they, they assail the word very because they basically uh, describe it as a sort of a nondescript um, accentuator. Like, you should say that something is mm-hmm. more, is particularly or especially, or because those words have more specific meanings. Mm-hmm. So I never use the word, well, rarely use the word very in writing, but I say it all the time. You know what I mean? Like, interesting is definitely one of those. It's just a, mm-hmm. it's a convenient word to fill. Mm-hmm. And I know I have trouble with my speed. Like, I, I'm slightly dyslexic, and so I have trouble remembering a lot of words, and so therefore I use a lot of filler words. So like is a big one, ums, pauses, um, cuss words even. <laughs> so the, I, I've used up the strange vocabulary to like mishmash together a slightly <laughs> coherent language skill, but it's not great. <laughs> so uh, uh, so we're, well, we, we know that we're annoying you with likes and varies and interestings, but we're human guys. <laughs> we're trying. <laughs> so I did find the full, it's actually a pretty short list of rules. It was anytime we say interesting drink, mm-hmm. uh, whenever a flaw from Andromeda is mentioned in a non Andromeda topic drink. <laughs> um, whenever Jordan mentions drinking coffee drink. Uh, and then I don't, I don't know if you were being serious about this one, but you said when I, you two, you added, when I bumble my words and mispronounce things, try to drink and then spill it all over yourself. <laughs> Which, as far as the audience participation, that would be fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, probably wait, wait. very messy. Hmm? 
And then rule number four, whenever dick pics are mentioned, down your whole glass. (laughs) (laughs) Now, does this count as a down your whole glass? Uh, Or is it just explaining the rules? No, no, this is, yeah, none of these count while we're explaining the rules. And also, I always feel the need to mention a caveat in any drinking game that says down your whole glass. Not with straight liquor. Jesus Christ, man. (laughs) If it's a beer, you can go ahead, man. If it's like single malt scotch, like... Slowly roll there, bro, unless it's a moderate amount that you served yourself. <laughs> if you serve yourself way too much scotch, like, you can't down that in one drink, man. You're going to die or something. Now, do we need to, like, have that lawyer voice come up and say, if you come to an accident, uh, this is not our fault. Don't dr- drink and drive responsibly. And well, that, that is interesting, right? Because how many people say that they listen to the show on their way to work? Oh. Maybe not the best time. <laughs> no, no. Unless you really want to quit your job and you're not driving. <laughs> Even trying um, to do it, well, even even I don't even think you're gonna make it to work if you're following this drinking game. Oh uh, yeah. Anyway, we should talk about the actual topic and not drinking games. <laughs> Did you know that when someone gets really drunk, they have the capability to become very violent? Hey. I hey. find that to be incredibly interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that an interesting segue in our interesting podcast in which we both say very interesting things? God, they're, they're fucked up right from the start. I just did it to them. <laughs> Poor bastards are like, stop it, stop it. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, uh, the topic we wanted to do uh, with my terrible, terrible segue is we want to talk about violence in video games, which mm. sounds now sounds like this is like an MSNBC broadcast. <laughs> Violence in video games. Are they harming your children? Ward 11. Um, But this was something that you really wanted to talk about, right? Yeah, well, I just, I found it interesting because we almost touched on it. And I think I even said in the last episode, wow, that would be really interesting if we started to talk about that because it would turn into a whole nother episode. Um, During the, one of the romance episodes in which we were discussing the role of sex in games, Mm-hmm. You made the point that we don't react nearly the same way to violence. We seem to have a much more agreeable stance towards violence as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, what an interesting contradiction. Oh, God, I did it again. <laughs> you, you said it once before. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, what a great contradiction um, between sex and violence. And I thought, well, this would be this would be cool if we delved into why we react towards one the way that we do. And not towards the others. And then Bioware has a fairly uh, particular type of distinction uh, between the two. Whereas I think they might be sort of forward thinking when it comes to their depiction of sex and romance. They're, they've typically been pretty mild when it comes to violence, right? I think you, you mentioned that multiple times of like, it's gotten really toned down since Origins. Mm-hmm. Because, like, Origins, you can, like, chop off heads and do all sorts of stuff. And then I... I will say Dragon Age 2, everything explodes, but it's almost like a comical effect. It's almost like in the Looney Tunes when, like, they pull out a skeleton. It's like, oh, I guess it's violent, but it's more, like, cartoony. And then in Inquisition, like, what would the most violent visual aspect be? I can't even think of it. Like, there's, there's some blood and maybe, like, some stabbing, but there's nothing, like, overtly, like... Terrible. I mean, the beheadings are specifically off screen. Whereas That's I feel true. like in, in Origins, they would have not pulled the camera away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Origins in the in the flourishes, in the occasional cinematic kills that you get, 
when you cut somebody's head off, like you get the full on fountain of blood spurting up and you're like, whoa. You really do. The thing with Origins, though, it's like it. Something about it still feels kind of cartoony compared to like the cutscene of um, Inquisition. Maybe it's just because of the better graphics, but I, I think that some. I get, what I'm trying to get at here is I feel like the Inquisition cutting off the head scenes is way more intense than the like just in game origins ones i wonder if that's just because of framing though like it's there has this build up and you know you're the quizzers going over there and like the raising of the sword and then you hear all the people going <gasps> in the background versus origins just like there's a whole bunch of person and you're like and you get the like the kill animation you're like oh no come on i need to like kill other people come on we gotta go let's, let's get this done so well, maybe that i think you know i first of all i think you're right and i sensed the same thing the first time that i was looking at the inquisition scenes and i think is it something about the headman's axe so to speak or the or the 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 executioner's block as it referred like maybe the idea of executing a prisoner is just altogether more morbid than killing someone in the heat of combat that's true because like granted the prisoner did something to get on the chopping block and like you can't really kill any super innocent people on the chopping block right but um but like there, there is like there's they're in a very um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like they're, they're kneeling helpless. down. Yeah, they're helpless. Versus like if someone's coming up to attack you, it's either you or them. There, there is like this instinctual like, oh well, ain't gonna be me, buddy. So yeah, versus Inquisitions, they're just kind of sitting and going, ah oh, shit, and looking really worried about it. And they're it's it's I don't know if you've really seen the animation, but they get kind of like antsy and they wiggle around and they're like looking at you. I don't know. It is kind of like, oh, shit, I'm about to yeah. kill this guy, which I, I kind of like better. But an execution is an execution, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. the reason why in the first world, some countries don't do that anymore, because it's just always considered just a bit too much, which is clearly debatable in a real world, in a real world sense. But in video mm-hmm. game land, I don't know. I think it's interesting the the, um, the contrast between, say, how Inquisition handles it in something like Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Um, where there's a couple of different beheadings, not just the opening scene, which is the one that everybody knows, but when you go into, uh, what's the name? Solitude. Yeah. Uh, there's a city in Skyrim where you, when you walk in, the one guy's getting beheaded and it's way more nonchalant. Like you literally just watch the guy's head get cut off and then the crowd sort of disperses and <laughs> they're like, all right, well, that's done. <laughs> Whoops. That's it. Who was that guy? Why was... Was he like a guard, and then he like he let out Alfred Stormcloak? Was that it? That it was that was correct. I don't know if he was a okay. guard, but that was correct. He was the one who helped Ulfric Stormcloak um, escape after he killed uh, whoever the High King was before that. Yor Yorig, oh, whoever I don't know. Wh- whoever the whoever the king was before Ulfric took over. Um, that's actually that that's something that I was right about to say the the, the <laughs> word again. <laughs> Um, and now I forgot what I was going to say. Damn it! My <laughs> avoidance of this thing. word, my avoidance of this word, is now like it's gonna it's gonna divert like another. Per- I don't know what percentage of my brain function ninety nine percent at this point is going to be devoted to not saying the word interesting. So is it better to say the word interesting and continue on with your line of thinking, or to annoy people with the word? It depends is on it- how many people are going to become alcoholics because of it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> uh, so no, I, I don't. I don't remember where I was going with that. It was something. It was something about the fact that executions are different than combat. And for so, oh, that's what it was. 
how which one's more realistic essentially right like we're 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 inside i guess that's entirely contextual but inquisition treats it as this really big sort of like ominous and morbid thing whereas skyrim treats it as sort of routine and then i'm kind of thinking of that versus like a um assassin's creed unity which is set during the french revolution and then Mm -hmm. the actual french revolution in which like tens of thousands of people were beheaded you know they invented the guillotine in france during the french revolution and man let me tell you they got excited about using it (laughs) like they were just (laughs) beheading people left and right and i imagine if you were living in the country at that point like a beheading wasn't a big deal at some point right like mm-hmm. it really was just almost like how it is in skyrim like everybody mm-hmm. ga- gathers around for it it is sad it is a death but then everyone goes like like all right well back to our shops back to our stalls back to life as we know it mm-hmm. um, so- not saying inquisition is wrong it's just interesting the context completely changes that so do you think that inquisition is uh, unrealistic then because of that like the crowd reaction of like <gasps> gasp shock horror because a lot of these people probably would have seen beheadings at one point. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends, right? Like, I guess it's not unrealistic if the people in the Inquisition weren't accustomed to it. I mean, mm. if they're all good chantry-going folks, so to speak, maybe that type of violence is something that they wouldn't have been accustomed to. I mean, at the very least, these people have seen some sort of violence because, like, a lot of the Inquisition... I mean, I guess it kind of depends where you are in the game, but a lot of them are, like, they could be wardens, they could be one of the Mage of the Templars in the Mage Templar War, they could have been just, like, one of your warriors. I I guess if you have a lot of, um, like, if you go in the Inquisition Hall... There's a lot of Orlesian nobles, which at, at the very least, they do have public hangings in Valreo. Like, that's where you meet um, Blackwall during his reveals. They're about to hang this poor guy in the middle of the fucking like, Valreo market square. So I, I, I can't imagine it's too unusual if they have, like, hangings in the middle of this giant, beautiful city. <laughs> yeah, well, see, that's a good question, right? Um, for you, then, from a lore standpoint... Would beheadings really stand out? I mean, how much do we know about that in lore? Not much, to be honest. Like, um, at the top of my head, like, there are definitely public executions. Um, the, the the one that's sticking out in my head that I was just talking about. Um, the Knight Commander before Meredith in Kirkwall was publicly executed for a whole slew of reasons. So Kirkwall's had public executions, which Kirkwall also has connections with Orlais, so I wouldn't be surprised if there was some, like, tradition from that over there. Um, I mean, Ferelden does... Oh, and the, the, I'm re- I've been doing a series on the different uh, um, Dragon Age books, and I'm slowly getting through the Stolen Throne, and they talk about, like... Uh, the usurper king Megrin has like fucking heads on spikes outside of the main city, and that's just like kind of the norm. So, I mean, it's very violent and very like graphic, but at the same time, it's not like, oh, how, how would he have a head on a spike? It's kind of like, oh, that's kind of an asshole move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I imagine, like, I, I don't know why, I don't know if this is supported, but I just, just like my own instinct, I would imagine Tevinters and probably the Kunari are a bit more. I, I mean, if the Kunari have institutionalized torture and sort of reconditioning of people that are sort of not following the Kun, I imagine they mm-hmm. have no, they would have no hesitation to like make an example of someone with an execution. I I would not, I wouldn't be surprised. I know in the uh, the comic books at one point, Alistair and Sten slash now the Aeroshock kind of have a battle. And it's it's kind of implied that Sten's going to kill Alistair unless he wins. So and like it was in front of like a big group of people, if I'm remembering correctly. So 
yeah, like, if you want to talk to the Aerostock, like, equals, you got to battle with him and, like, win. <laughs> so that's the thing that happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, which, that you kind of do that in uh, Dragon Age 2, so... But. Yeah, that that is true. The heads on the spike thing. I mean, I was that just kind of uh, brought brought to mind uh, when you arrive at Kadara Port. Like that's featured pretty prominently in Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, is right it when really? Yeah, well, it's a cat head though. It's not a human head, but still, it's a cat oh. head on a pike. Um, right as you land. It, yeah. Which yeah, we haven't even talked about Mass Effect yet. The Mass Effect violence. Mass Effect violence, I think, is pretty consistent without the ser- throughout the series though. If I'm remembering it correctly. Yeah, I think I think it's only a little bit toned down in Andromeda, but then again, I mean head on a pike. They never they never had heads on a pike, I don't think, in the original trilogy. I thought they did No. No, I'm thinking like people on spikes from the uh the Reapers when they changed the, the people. Yeah, yeah, they impale the bodies on the to make the husks. Um mm-hmm. For some reason, I can't remember what it was. I think it might have been during the Solarian mission. I want to say that was it when you're when you're trying to rescue the Solarian Ark, and you end up having that Krogan Scouts versus Solarian Pathfinder choice. In that mission, you know there there's evidence of there's somewhat a depiction of the fact that the Solarians were being tortured, mm-hmm. and at, at, on a couple of different instances, it's not like a feature of a cutscene, but you can go and interact with, and the characters kind of have some ambient dialogue about um, like the bodies that are on the ground. And I just kind of remember thinking, like, I don't know if that was more an issue of resources, like they didn't have time to make it look grotesque enough, um, but they really just, I mean, it could have been, it was no different than if the bodies had been asleep or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, in, mm-hmm. they, we were supposed to be like the the text and everything was about this grotesque horrible torture etc but the bodies were just kind of laying there mm-hmm. um that was probably more an issue of like you know they had so much time you know, issues and in, in production issues within drama i think that's probably more what it was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, it just that... seemed tame compared to um the end of mass effect 3 when you go up the beam to get back into the citadel and it's just littered with bodies and it's just, you know it's gore and mess and blood everywhere i i will say like having played the mass effect series before the dragon age series mass effect like legitimately frightened me at some points like specifically the banshees that noise was awful <laughs> Like, it, it really frightened me. Like, I'm playing the game, like, specific. Is it Samara's uh, personal quest? Yes, where you, like, three. Yeah, that one. That one, like, I'm like, I had to, like, take a break after that because I had to settle down. Like, that one legitimately scared me. But that same noise, I'm, I'm, like, at least I'm 99% sure it's the same noise, is used for terror demons in Dragon Age Inquisition. Doesn't affect me. Nothing at all. It's fine. It's whatever. It, uh. it, I don't know why. It, I think maybe it's just like the context there. Like, oh, in in a, a terror demon, it's just like a concept of emotions. It's just a bunch of emotions or whatever. <laughs> Versus like the Asari Banshees. Like that was a person. And yeah. l- l- listen to how it sounds now. And there's kind of that story there. Versus you know, terror demon doesn't. So it's it's. It, but I, I would say that that would be true for the entire series, where Mass Effect did have moments where I was, like, actually frightened. I didn't really have those with Dragon Age, even though I love it more, because I don't like horror, maybe. But the, I think the only time in Dragon Age where I was sitting there, like, very uncomfortable was during, like, the um, Dragon Age Origins, if you go into the alien, it's just, like, this haunted, um, I don't know what to call it. 
uh, orphanage thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what, it's not even that scary, but something about, like, the ghosts and, like, oh, these are dead children was, like, very uncomfortable for some reason. Oh, but I that's, think that's true. That's the only time in Origins, or, or any of the Dragon Age series, I was f- scared, I guess. Like, there's been times, like, I felt rushed, like, during the Haven, but I, I wasn't, like... I, I didn't feel, like, legitimately frightened at something. Versus Mass Effect, there was a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I guess that's that's maybe somewhat true. I guess for me, in an odd way, and I don't know who else does this, I connect it to actual game difficulty at times. Mm-hmm. Like, the threat of, even though I can just, I'm a save, like, I have just, like, a compulsive save hurt, right? It's not going to cost me much to reload a save point if I die. I, that, to me, somehow makes me a little more anxious about stuff that's supposed to be depicted as scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so playing, like, you know, when you're in Orzammar and you're going to fight, particularly fighting the Broodmother, like, that's a mm-hmm. really tough fight on the higher difficulty levels. Like, for that reason, I found the Broodmother creepier. And then mm-hmm. in the Awakenings DLC, uh, the one Darkspawn queen. The mother. Late, yeah, the mother. Oh, that's a creepy looking character. Yeah. But it didn't scare me for some reason, though. Like, I'm like, something about that Banshee, like, really, like, made me poo my pants on that one. <laughs> but I, I will say, like, whoever did the animation for, like, the mother's mouth that opens up, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's, ugh. Yeah. It's the close-ups, I think, right? Like, even with the Banshee, I think the moment when it gets really mm. creepy is when she, like, wraps her long, creepy fingers around the one Asari, Samara's daughter, and then, like, yeah. it's that it's that close-up of the Banshee where you're like, ugh. Yeah. That one mission, I think, scarred me. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially, like, I don't know how it ended for you. Like, Samara tries to kill herself at the end. Yeah, yeah. And then that's a I, possibility. Of, I don't know if I, maybe I'm sure at one of my vast playthroughs, I might have just let her do it. I don't know. But I think almost <laughs> 9 out of 10, I have to stop her. That's a tough one. I'm like, what are you going to kill yourself for? Don't do that. I Well, like, I granted, I have not played through it in a while. But, like, those are her daughters. Like, any mother who sees her daughter, like, in such a state is probably going to be very uh, affected. So mm, undoubtedly, um, so we got onto scary stuff somehow, which is kind of related, I guess, to, to the <laughs> yeah. depiction of violence. Um, what I mean, what is the most violent thing in the Dragon Age? Let's do let's do Mass Effect and Dragon Age. What's the most violent thing in the Dragon Age series that you can think of? Well, I think we, I I don't want to talk about this too much because it could be really uncomfortable for some people. But like, I think we need to make a distinction between physical violence and then also sexual violence because those are definitely present in the series as well. So I, I think there's a lot of, like, horrifying sexual violence that happens specifically with, like, brood mothers And um, it's also kind of hinted that Liliana in uh, Liliana's song was uh, abused as well. But I, like, if we're, if we're ignoring that, then I would say the physical violence of the scariest is the darkspawn. Like, they just fucking eat you, you know? <laughs> like, alive. Like, some of the things, like, and it's, uh, I was, I was replaying earlier yesterday and, um, like, if you go into, like, the Tower of Ashal, like, the farther you get up, the more, like, bodies. Like, they just have a, a model of, like, just a torso with, like, its arms and limbs cut off. And they're just, like, piles of them and, like, heads on spikes. And there's just bodies everywhere. And you're like, oh, my God, there's so much blood here. <laughs> so. So, no, so you're saying just kind of, like, overall the dark spawn and then whatever amount of carnage could potentially end up in certain... In certain settings, like I guess the the circle tower is pretty bad if you look at what some of the mm. yeah I I was I will say for the circle tower though like 
the 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 deaths that you see for the most part, like you do see like bodies thrown about, but they're like full body. They look like sleeping figures covered in red for the most part, depending on your gore settings. And then like the 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 people who I guess are dead that you have to kill are just monsters. So there is this kind of I don't know disconnect there for me. Like I've always felt like the Tower of Ashal and anything with the Dark Spawn were a lot more gory than the, the circle tower but but like the other two games like they're pretty tame like i can't really think of anything like uh, you do see the decapitated head of the the viscount though i forgot about that and oh that's two. right it just rolls right down the steps yeah that but something about two just the like the cartoony nature of it just makes it a lot tamer you know i i don't disagree with you on that except well i don't i mean i don't disagree with you on that but there are still moments where I think it kind of, it definitely pushes the comfort level. Like with um, Hawk's mother, when you finally find her and she's been mm. tortured and, you know, her face is sort of reassembled, etc. Even though there's nothing particularly bloody about that, I mean, the implications of it as a whole are just sort of disturbing. That's true. I forgot about I, I forgot about that. One of the most key moments in Dragon Age 2. But yeah, that... Now I'm thinking about it, that might be the most violent implications of someone like chopping up bodies and then reattaching them to mate his dead lover, and then it's also your mother. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, that's just makes so, it that much worse. Yeah, that that might be. Is that going to be your your vote for most violent uh, thing in Dragon Age? I'm trying to think, and I mean, certainly it's it's got to be pretty close. I, I could I could go with that. I mean, honestly, like, I mean, maybe I I never thought of myself as squeamish, but, like, there's a couple of moments that always make me cringe, and one of them is when Kaylin actually gets crushed by the ogre. That's more yeah. of a sound design thing, and I've always just thought, like, what a brutal way to go. To, like, he just pops him, essentially. Mm-hmm. He just squeezes him until there's just, like, this crunch, this wet crunch sound. And I think it's more the sound design than anything that just makes me go, oh, <laughs> Every time I just go, God damn, what a crappy way to die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it kind of, it's, it, if I'm remembering correctly, when in Mark of the Assassin, you like let uh, Duke Prosper follow his death. There's also a little bit of a wet crunch sound when he hits a rock down below. It's, I would say it's not as bad as the crunching with the, the dark spawn, but it's also kind of like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. And then Duncan's reaction really kind of drives it home even more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then also, like, uh, I, I, you haven't read any of the novels, right? I read The Calling and what's the first one? Stolen uh, Stone Throne. Throne. Yes. So, that, so then, you know, like, uh, Duncan, he, like, kind of made a promise to protect at least Alistair. So, but I would imagine it also uh, goes to Kaelin. Yeah. Like, because uh, he befriends Merrick. So, it's just kind of like that. It's, it's one, your king just died. Two, yeah. your mission's failing. Three, I failed my friend. Fuck. <laughs> It's kind of like, ah, oh, damn. <laughs> that yeah. sucks. And I don't know where it comes from, but I've always got this weird, and it's mostly just in fantasy settings, I've always got this weird anxiety about, like, kings and really important people on battlefields. Mm-hmm. I don't know how historical that is. I'm like, isn't that the stupidest thing possible? Like, it's the most important person in your entire society. Surely you can't put them in a position where, like, a stray arrow can, like, to devastate your kingdom, right? So anytime, yeah. like, a king is on a battlefield and then they eat it, I'm like, oh, no. 
<laughs> See if you just protected the king. I'm which like, they kind of told you. They <laughs> kind of touch on well. that and stolen throne a little bit, which I that's a whole thing we're talking about. But we keep getting distracted at this violence talk. <laughs> the implications of violence, I guess. I guess, yeah. Now, something I wanted to bring up is the. Uh, I don't know why it's a debate, but does violent video games cause violent children? That's a very interesting. Ah, oh, dang it! I did it. <laughs> Um, okay, so we should get to that, but I think before we get to that, we should also okay. kind of cover Mass Effect's most violent. Oh, right. Um, but the thing with Mass Effect is just like, and this is a meme in and of itself, there's a whole lot of people shooting themselves in the head. Yeah? That just happens, I mean, I, I, I mean, obviously there's the main ones with Saren and potentially with the elusive man, but there's also several side quests that can end with someone shooting themselves in the head. And I'm like, yeah. that's a really brutal thing that like I feel like they get away with because it's like the big blocky space gun and it's like a blue flash of energy and all this stuff. But, you know, you don't really show that. You couldn't show that it's, on TV. Yeah, yeah, you don't really. I, I will say, like, despite all of that, the probably the death that got me the most was Thane. Like he, him being stabbed. Well, I don't know if it was... Uh, him being stabbed by Kai Lang is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if that was the most violent. I can't remember the violence. It's more just like, of, of all the things, a sword. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't expect to be killed by one of those. Right. And that's, I mean, in the year 2185, 2186 at that point, I think. And like, you know, all this amazing technology and you got punked that by a sword. sword. <laughs> Then again, in that in in the year twenty one eighty six, that guy is one of the galaxy's deadliest assassins. You know, using karate essentially. Yeah, I mean, good for him. But it it it, it kind of reminds me of like you know Star Wars kid type of thing. Where it's like <laughs> <laughs> I've mastered the way of the blade. Yeah, yeah. There is a little bit of that. Um, now the um the the, the I think in the opening of Mass Effect three, when you just see that. I think it's a real kid, but the kid on the ship, like, eat it, essentially. Yeah. That's kind of like, oof. But for everyone who's, you know, who's beaten Mass Effect 3, the implications of that on replay value every single time is like, yeah, blow up the stupid space kid, you know, every time. (laughs) How does the game fuck up so bad that you're okay with the kid dying? You know, not not only okay with it, I cheer every time. I'm like, get him! Blow him up, Reapers! My question is, is, is that a real kid or was that like dream space imaginary kid? Because like, I think other people interact with him, right? No, because I mean that. OK, so this is where we. Oh, my God. I don't know if this counts in the drinking game, but this is where you start to get into the indoctrination theory stuff. Oh, no. When the kid climbs onto the shuttle, nobody helps him. And the soldiers are literally helping people on. And this kid is like. He's short, right? And it's a hover. It's a shuttle is hovering. So he has to like climb onto the floor of the shuttle and there's people Uh right there and nobody helps him. So Uh. technically no one even acknowledges him, at least as far as the perspective that we have in the game. Um, My bet is still it was a real kid. And then the Reapers or that AI was just, you know, they could sense that in Shepard's memories. And so they were sort of using that to play against her sympathies. But you know, there's some evidence that maybe it was always in a, a hallucination because no one else ever interacts with that kid. You, this discussion suddenly reminds me that you can fucking kill Connor in Dragon Age Origins, and that's pretty violent. Like, especially if like is is Azold is with you, and she like like 
whoever that voice actress is, I don't know her name, but she did a great job at begging for Connor's life. It, like, that hurt. <laughs> and you can punch her in the face and then kill him, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just, like, she, she's, like, having this emotional breakdown of, like, please, anyone but my baby, which is so relatable. And then you just fucking deck her and stab a child. <laughs> you know what? Speaking of decking people, that's my choice for the most violent moment in Dragon Age history. Punching Solus in the goddamn face. I will say the animation is so goofy that it's just laughable. Like, no. I, it almost kind of works, though, because it is just kind of like he, he, like, I don't know how to describe it, but he whips up his head and, like, is, how dare! Like, almost, like, very yeah. feminine way. <laughs> just... I Have you punched Dorian? What? Have I punched Dorian? No. You can punch Dorian. When can you punch Dorian? I would never. You, punch you have Dorian. to I really like hate Dorian. There, there is one playthrough where I tried to hate everyone, which I will say, everyone hated me except for Iron Bull, and it was really weird. Anyway, I was like best friends with Iron Bull in that playthrough, and I tried everything to get him to hate me. Anyway, but yeah, you can you can deck Dorian as well. Like it's it's not as I think well known as solaces because like who wants to deck Dorian <laughs> but it is just kind of this weird you get so angry at him you just bam right across the face so hmm so for that's it I mean I don't actually want to do it um because I like Dorian but I might do it just to see what happens uh Mass Effect I don't know like a few different people shoot themselves in the head I kind of feel like Saren's is more impactful Garrus gets half his face blown off. I mean, again, yeah. to me, that's more of a sound design thing. I always thought that the blood coughing was pretty good in that scene, but I don't know. I guess other than people um, going for the self-inflicted gunshot wound, I can't really name anything off the top of my head for Mass Effect. I thought that in the Overlord DLC, watching um, David, the character, as he's hooked up to everything... Mm-hmm. That, I thought, was always very visually disturbing, like the tubes that are, like, sewn into his body and his eyela- his eyelids being pulled open. I always mm-hmm. thought that was really gruesome-looking. I've never actually gotten to play that, so one day I'll have to do that. Um, but I don't yeah, know if I want to anymore, though. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that whole DLC comes down to that one scene. It's very generic gameplay, and then one really great cutscene at the end. So you might even be better off just checking it out on youtube to be honest all right um so let's let's skip over to violence in video games because i think that's a fun topic um so i one thing i want to preface this with with is that i don't believe violence causes or sorry video games causes violence in children i um one thing they actually teach you at least in the the colleges i went to is that it's not so much that violence in video games causes kid to act violently is that kids who act violently are more attracted to the violence in video games and maybe they learn a couple things but these kids were going to be violent anyway you know it's Mm. it's it's not so much that you, you have a nice, innocent, sweet little baby boy, you plop him in front of GTA, and suddenly he's a murderer. You're mm. usually going to have a shit kid, you put him in front of a, a violent video game, he's going to continue being a shit kid, and now he also knows how to, like, kick people in the balls. It's mm. He was going to learn that anyway, it's just, where did he learn it? Um, the I, I will say, though, that, um, like, when you, when you, because I did a lot of assessments at my job, where you ask the parents, like, okay, what... Um, you know, what is this kid exposed to? What kind of video games do they play? Um, you, you do see a lot of kids 
that when they play violent video games and the parents aren't there to like kind of like coach them through it, they have a lot of nightmares. That is something that I think is related because kids don't know what they're looking at and they get kind of scared of it. So it's, I think if anything, violence video, violent video games causes kid to be more scared. <laughs> of the violence, huh? So it's, it's, it, but they still like play it anyway and they kind of enjoy that fear. It's not, I don't think it's anything like super terrible, but like it, it, there is some effect on the children where they just kind of, you know, uh, like, oh no, is like, uh, uh, well, a, a strange uh, example from my own life. When I was really little, little, um, do you remember Chex Quest? Chex Quest? I don't know. It was this really stupid little, um, I think it was a Doom clone that came with Chex, like the cereal. Somehow my family got a hold of it and my cousin was really into playing it. And for whatever reason, five to six year old me was absolutely horrified by these little green goopy monsters. And so I would, I continued to have nightmares about the green goopy monsters. That's not even violent at all. You, you go in and shoot them. But I had nightmares about it. Versus um, my dad really liked Wolfenstein. 3D, and I used to play that with him a lot, and, like, that gets pretty violent. You're shooting Nazis. There's blood everywhere, and, like, <laughs> it gets pretty bad for, like, you know, that era, but, like, I never had nightmares about that because my dad was with me, and he would, like, coach me through it, so it's, it's like, oh, you know, like, well, they're being shot right now, but this is a game, and it's, you know, whatever. You, this can happen, like, that sort of thing, so I, I, I th- that's at least my speech on violence in video games, where it's yeah, maybe irresponsible parents and kids who shouldn't be playing it might be affected in some way, but it's not like this massive phenomenon and it's the reason why there's so many school shootings and blah, blah, blah. No, it's just kids are going to be scared for a little while. Violent kids are going to learn some maybe new techniques or something, but it's it's not, it's not, it's it's not like... I know I, I have I'm so passionate about this because I feel like it's the new vaccine cause well it might be not new but it's like vaccine causes autism it just makes no sense when you fucking think about it <laughs> it's an easy target it's the newest uh, form of media when we look back at basically every form of new media there was a point in our history we have we have written documented evidence of when people assailed the credibility of the novel as an art form do you know what i mean like you know people kid people becoming entranced in an imaginary world and they don't look up from the book and they're just they're stupefied and all these different things people were concerned about it only Mm -hmm. it only stands to reason that people would show the same similar types of concerns over video games um Mm -hmm. one thing that i did think that's interesting that you mentioned was about the proclivity of someone who maybe has some sort of inherent violent tendency to be drawn towards video games i think Mm -hmm. that's sometimes understated um do you think it is possible though that that violence and not just in video games but any form of media essentially could serve as a catalyst for someone who again not not as the cause but if someone does have violent tendencies i mean it would stand to reason that if you could identify that that you probably would want to keep them away from violent video games like for it to not stimulate that in them um, to be honest, it, from what I've read about it, it's it's kind of debated because there's also, um, it, it does desensitize you to violence a little bit. Like, um, now I, like, for instance, when I was little, Chex Quest scared me. I would look at it again, it's fine because I've been desensitized to green monsters, that type of thing. But, like, if, let, let's say you have a violent kid and they have, like, a kind of... Think of it as, like, a violent meter. They need to be so violent before they're kind of, like, rested for the day. They're either going to go out and bully some kid or play a video game. Which one's better? So it's it's kind of this... 
um, is is the violent video game kind of letting out their violent urges in a actually productive way where they actually you know, learn stuff, perhaps learn some like hand-eye coordination, maybe even get some friends, depending if it's a social game or not. It, right. it could actually be all right versus they go out into the world, they're like hurting cats and doing strange things. It's it's this kind of weird, who really knows at this point where... Yeah. I, I, for some reason, I think the conversation between violence and video games is just, is there a causation? And I think that's just the, the least interesting and worst way to have this conversation. We need to have something that's like, okay, we, we know that violent kids play violent video games. Is that actually a good thing or not? Um, what about empathy? Like, can if, if you think that violence teaches, or video games teaches violence, can video games teach empathy? Because at least we've seen with Dragon Age, like, um, I, I, I stream for my patrons sometimes, and uh, I, I wanted to pl- do a playthrough where I sacrificed the Chargers, and a lot of them were upset with me, like, why did you sacrifice the Chargers? They're my favorite. Like, you're having an empathetic emotion towards a character that's fake. Like, that could be a very positive on, like, you know, young kids and stuff like that. Like, getting to see something that's like, oh, this is bad because of this. This is a wrong reaction because these people I liked died. Like, there could be a lot of positive things that video games teaches you, but everyone focuses on the negative for some reason. So. That's, no, that, that's that's an absolutely really valid point. And I, I agree with you. I don't think that it is, I don't think that there is a really strong causal link between that or, or to the extent that someone, you know, maybe could be instigated to that because they already have the tendencies. Like, I'm really not convinced that we don't all have, I mean, we do all have violent tendencies to some extent, right? I mean, there's hardly mm-hmm. anyone who's, who's not violent, at least in the sense of defending themselves. And I, I guess I would say most average people are violent in some sense upon losing their temper in a really extreme way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also really interesting things like the um, um, the experiment, the Milgram experiment, which is like a very old experiment of when participants were asked to uh, administer small electrical shocks to, to people that got wrong answers in a test. And this is a pretty famous old experiment. The yeah. people who are who are hitting the button to do the shocking don't realize that they're not really shocking someone. The other p- participants are actually actors and they're pretending mm. to be shocked, but they think that they are administering up to severe levels of electrical shock and continue to do so as the as the person behind the glass gets answers wrong on a quiz because the the doctor or the person in the lab is is egging them on like no you have to do this this is your job you must do this and so people seem to be willing to be violent in real life or what they believe is real violence um, mm-hmm. for no other reason than being told I mean <laughs> it doesn't even really require a video game well, and that there's also the the extremely famous Stanford Prison Experiment. Yes. If you remember that one, yes. where like, if you don't know what that one is, it's essentially um, they had like it was they just got like I, I don't remember how many I'm going to say like twenty college age men, and they divided half into prisoners, half into cops, essentially, and they ran a prison. And how it kind of devolved is that the cops would act very violent towards the prisoners. I can't remember the exact details, but like the only difference between them they hadn't done nothing wrong was that one was given a badge and one was given an orange suit that was it yeah and they and they said and the cop they told the cops to control the prisoners and they got really violent towards them it, even the person doing the um experiment started getting violent towards the prisoners and all this weird stuff and eventually i think one of his colleagues had to stop him like do you realize what you're doing and they had this sobering moment of holy shit this is extremely unethical 
yeah. <laughs> kind of got in some trouble about it. But uh, I think same thing with the Milgram one because like they didn't tell people there. There's I think the Milgram got in trouble too. But it's anyway. Yeah, like there are some violent tendencies within humans that like we just have to accept is there but accepting doesn't mean we have to like lean into it there's also like the i i i know i am violent but i'm holding myself back kind of type of thing yeah and so to kind of connect those a bit uh, those those points a bit Mm -hmm. i don't think that someone who has a tendency towards violence and i don't i don't know because i I mean i certainly don't consider myself to be particularly violent or anything like that i imagine that the depiction of violence would have to be unsatisfying to a certain extent if we were talking about someone who you know who took some sort of sick pleasure from punching someone in the face or, or, or being violent in some way I imagine that the depiction might be a little bit unsatisfactory. I, I don't know. I, I mean, this isn't backed up by anything concrete, but I just have the suspicion uh, that for because I enjoy violent video games. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's a, I, I and I would not divorce my enjoyment from them entirely from the violence. I mean, obviously, I enjoy video games for a vast number of reasons. Violence might be lucky if I could attribute it to, like, 1%, 2%. You know what I mean? Like, I, I enjoy the story. I enjoy the systems of rules competing against each other and progression and immersion and agency and all these wonderful things. Uh, but, like, for instance, I'm playing – I just recently beat the new God of War game, which is a phenomenal game. And – there's something incredibly satisfying about some of the attacks of just like smashing an axe down into it like a monster's head or something like that there's something oddly visceral about it and i'm curious about it but i don't think that it's the desire for violence per se i think that we're being drawn to it we're drawn to the depiction of violence not to not exclusively to sort of live vicariously through the depiction of the violence but because there's something about it that's curious to us like we're, mm. we're 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 literally there to observe the depiction because something about it is gratifying to sort of see because it's fake because we know it's fake mm. it's it's a safe place to play around with ideas that would be extremely taboo in real life yeah, I think that I think that's definitely one way to put it. I sent you the article. I don't know if you got a chance to check it out. It was so, it was something that I found that was very close to kind of what I had an understanding of coming into this, or at least what mm-hmm. little understanding of it I had. Mm-hmm. I did read it, but I read it like the day we were supposed to be talking about it, which was like a week ago now or something. So I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. So, well, I'll, but, I'll, we'll definitely try and include it in the description uh, mm-hmm. when we when we post this. But essentially, it's this guy who wrote a book, and he did a study, which was uh, this was something that I had heard. I don't know if it was this guy that I had heard talking about it before, but I know that I've heard something like this theory before, and and it's very close to my thinking on it, which is essentially just that um, it's essentially that we're we're drawn to the idea of violence because, in some sense, it's cathartic. Um, that our our defensive instincts, our mechanisms, our brain is essentially thinking of um, you know predators or things that might be of of particular harm to us, and so that we get a little a, a little bit of uh, either a hit of dopamine or something in our brain is is gratified when we see a depiction of violence because some part of us is empathizing with the person who's inflicting the violence not in a sadistic sense but in the sense of if this person is getting killed in this brutal way but if i imprint myself onto the stronger of these two 
forces at play, that means I'm safe, essentially. Mm-hmm. If I see myself as the person doing the killing and not the person being killed, that means I get to survive. And the reason why the grotesqueness sort of, of it continues to increase is because the more awful the thing is, um, it's like you see yourself as the person who's winning the fight therefore you could you're not on the receiving end of the awful thing if you identify with the person doing the awful thing that means you could survive or avoid the awful thing i think mm-hmm. that's why the fidelity continues to get higher in violence the ridiculousness of violence continues to go up in games and movies because it's like our brain is trying to is trying to come up with this endless gauntlet of awful things that we could survive if we were the superhero, if we were the good guy or whoever. And so that's why it's oddly gratifying and why we seem to have no end of appetite for some new ridiculous, you know, machete or something like that where the violence is just getting so bizarre. It's just ridiculous. (laughs) And we go, yeah, man, this is cool because there's some part of us that sees us as as the hero or even the anti-hero doling out these ridiculous forms of violent punishment because it's not us. We see ourselves as the person surviving. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I want to ask is, um, I, I, my, my knowledge of video games isn't great. I'll say that, but I do think there are some video games that go into the sadistic category, where like the violence is a little bit too much, and you kind of get this like uneasy feeling. The, the one I've heard a lot is Postal and Hatred. I, I have not played them, so I can't say for certain. But like, where, where they like it, I have heard that these two games in particular kind of celebrate the violence in a way that can get very uncomfortable and questionable. Yeah, I've never played Postal, and I think if that were true, and I guess I just have to say if, because a lot of people say it, but I haven't experienced it firsthand, so I'll say if. Mm -hmm. If that is true, um, I mean, Postal is not lauded as being a great game, right? It's sort of derided on its overall quality, from what I understand. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. a good video game, period. And then Mm -hmm. on top of that, it has this negative um, it has this negative reputation because of the violence. So it would seem then that the video game community or industry as a whole has sort of excised the correct you know, price from that attempt, right? It's like you made a grotesque piece of violence porn and nobody likes it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would, I mean, you're right though. There is something to be said for, for titles that do that. The only series I've played that where I had a somewhat, somewhat that, type of reaction was with the Manhunt series. Did you ever play Manhunt? I didn't think I heard of that. Yeah, they made what? Manhunt, Manhunt 2. I think there's a Manhunt 3. Um, you know, yeah, you play an escaped convict and, and there's some pretty grotesque stuff in there. I think, if I, if I remember the storyline correctly, on some level, you're somewhat of a good guy or you're, you're fighting people that are even worse than you, something to that mm-hmm. extent. So it's not completely irredeemable. But I thought some of, some of the stuff in Manhunt when I played it, I was just like, good lord, this is just a bit over the top mm-hmm. um, that's about as close as I can say for anything that really that made me uncomfortable um, mm-hmm. what about you is there anything you've played that where you thought oh man I don't want to play this well, keep in mind that a lot of the games that I'm gravitating, I, I gravitate towards are like, you know, Stardew Valley, Animal Crossing, okay. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So overall, mostly no. Um, I did, I don't know how this happened, but somehow I obtained a copy of Dead Space. I, it just happened. It fell into my lap. 
And um, I, knowing what it was, I was like, oh, hell no. So I gave it to my then boyfriend, now husband at the time. And like, for, this is really random, but he really likes the name Isaac. So knowing nothing about the game except the main character was Isaac, he's like, fuck yeah. So he played it. And I watched him, <laughs> I, I watched him play it. And like, I think we both devolved into like, ooh, no, thank you. But I, I don't think it's super, it, I mean, it is a very violent game, but I, I, it was more like the game was designed to be horrific and it succeeded and we didn't finish it. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's, it's in, in a way I think it's violence was called into question. Like not so much like violence is bad, but look at these terrible things that you have to survive. Like you were telling about earlier. So I, I, I think in that regard, it's not really in the category where we're talking about, but that would technically that game, gets the my award for this was so violent i couldn't handle it <laughs> More, yeah i know I, I remember i played i think i played all of them yeah and i love the first mm-hmm. dead space probably the most um i i agree there's something there is something really cathartic about like oh my god i made it through that with dead space Mm-hmm. So I would I would say one that comes to mind as far as being totally grotesque is like the Mortal Kombat fatalities, right? And they got a lot of attention back in the day. But oh, they yeah. they moved into like the realm of satire. Like Mortal Kombat fatalities are like a joke at this point. It's yeah, they really do. There's another I don't know what the game is, to be honest, but I, I've seen like images where like um um it's I don't I don't know how to describe it. Like someone will do like a death move, and suddenly they'll have like an X-ray vision of like how the character's spine is broken. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's Mortal Kombat, or at least Mortal Kombat. Is that has Mortal one Kombat? It's I mean one of the modern ones. Then the only Mortal Kombat I know is like you know the, the pixelated stuff, <laughs> <Second> Genesis, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. and like you know the head comes off. So, uh, but yeah, like those. It in a way, it's like. You, you you have this like ooh moment, but you also laugh because it's just so cartoony and funny. The modern day way. Mortal Kombat fatalities have become almost mm-hmm. a parody of extreme violence. Like there's mm-hmm. one that I remember that where a character is torn in half vertically. So they're torn <laughs> from like, but like the way when they're doing it, it's almost like the, their body is stretching in a way that almost looks like elastic. Like it almost becomes cartoonish. Like it just looks mm-hmm. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know if it really fits being grotesque anymore mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean i guess i think there, there is definitely something to be said for games that do go too far although i think in general they've either been rejected or they've sort of slotted themselves as we said either into parody or something that does have some sort of cathartic i guess we could use the word value there's something there like we're, we're drawn to it not because we put ourselves in the shoes of someone who's being sadistic and inflicting violence, but because we want to put ourselves constantly above an ever-increasing staircase of awful violence because our brain is getting some little reward from saying, not me, not me, not me, not me. That kind of reminds me of our conversation was when we were talking about sexuality because it's kind of almost the same conclusion where, like, it's okay if it has, like, a meaning, but, like, there is a pornographic sense to violence sometimes. We're like, okay, this is, like, a weird celebration and it's, 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 it's too much. There is a too much. But for the most part, a lot of the sexuality in games, a lot of the, uh... Uh, violence in video games like there is kind of a point into it where i think it's it's cathartic it's also or like there, there are some positive viewpoints but i think there are some games that do go into that i'm just going to keep using the word pornographic 
<laughs> pornographic aspect yeah. to it where even the game industry is like, all right, it's a little too much. No one really wanted to play that. Like, it, maybe it has its audience, but there's something about that that it isn't quite right, and we don't want to deal with that. So... And then also, to, to, I mean, you talk about some things that are like kind of crossing the line. I think one thing that we should not discount is like like you talked about empathy as well, right? And mm-hmm. we shouldn't discount the intersection between violence that is awful and does cross the line with empathy because I think there's something there's something really to be said mm. for that. The only thing that that really jumps out there to me that I've played personally was Spec Ops: The Line. Um, and of course, many, many things have been written about Spec Ops The Line. I don't know. You probably haven't played it, right, personally? Nope. <laughs> so, it, so much was written about it around 2012. I think when it came out, it became kind of a darling of the budding New Games journalism blogging because it was very, very rich. It was um, clearly sort of thematically patterned after Heart of Darkness, mm-hmm. uh, Joseph Conrad uh, story. And uh, essentially, it, it starts off looking like the most generic military shooter that you've ever seen, which is what Spec Op, which is what the Spec Op series was up until that point. You're going into Dubai, I believe, uh, after an earthquake or a storm of some sort, and mm-hmm. you know you're shooting a lot of sort of nameless, faceless people. But as the story begins to to progress, and as you start as you start to get closer and closer to the heart of the city, um, your squad is starting to become depleted mentally and physically. Your main character is starting to become fractured and fragmented mentally um and then weird little things start to happen right like some of the things that really stuck me stuck with me the most is um the breaking of the fourth wall during the um loading screens whereas Mm -hmm. the the normal loading screens were like you know press x during your reload for an active reload or like little tips like that the the things that are showing during the loading screen start to change to like killing is fun isn't it or um these people aren't real or something like that or or one that stuck with me is are you having fun yet and Mm. like it's just like these weird things and you know there's one particular scene that that got a lot of attention where you have the ability to uh drop a bunch of uh what's called white phosphorus um onto this battlefield and for people who don't know white phosphorus is is a particularly cruel form of weaponry uh which i believe is outlawed probably by the geneva convention and a bunch of other things now it burns incredibly hot but doesn't incinerate so it's it's like way hotter than it should be if i'm and if i'm getting this wrong and someone knows more than me as i understand it it burns in much hotter than temperatures that that would otherwise incinerate the target. So it's possible. I mean, anyone is, is subjected to that is going to die, but they're going to suffer horribly for much longer because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a particularly cruel type of weapon. And spoiler alert, after you end up using this weapon to attack what you feel is your enemy, um, you find out that there's a lot of innocent people that were on that field of battle as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then furthermore, you end up finding that the people that you thought were your enemy, you know, maybe aren't as much as, as your enemy as you thought. Um, that game made me feel something about that very deliberately. I mean, they were really trying to make you question not just what the character is doing, but what are you doing by playing this video game? And that's a, it's a really rare thing. It made me it changed the way that I think about first person shooters, particularly those that have realistic military settings. I, I would be I, I will will not lie. I'm kind of off put by them now. I really don't play them ever at all um, mm-hmm. for that reason because it's really really powerful. Um, the game and I'm not I'm not going to give away the ending because I think people should probably go out and play it. But um, 
it makes you confront like right front and center why you as a player have come to this experience like what exactly do you think you're getting out of this and why do you think it's harmless um Mm -hmm. which to me it stands as probably one of if not the best examples of video game as art it's not one of my favorite games or anything like that but as an art piece I felt something incredibly powerful and emotional at the end of that game. And to this day, I struggle to describe what that emotion was. I can't even, mm-hmm. I can't even really put words to it. Um, so people should definitely go out and play Spec Ops Line. It can get pretty violent, or at least as violent as most first, or it's a third person, sorry, I said first person earlier, uh, as most shooter games. Um, but I think it's really trying to make you think about the violence and reckon with what the hell you're doing by just perpetrating endless amounts of virtual violence. I, yeah, that, that's something I, I, I feel like I try to get, to the point, but I think you did a much better job where, like, there's violence like that where it's trying to do something. It's trying to make you think. It's it, 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 There's some empathy behind it. It's it's not just violence for violence's sake. I, I think where it's negative is where you get the, uh, like, I, I'm assuming hatred posted on her like this because I keep hearing about it, but it's, it's a celebration, it's a thoughtless celebration of inducing pain. It's about saying, like, I love causing pain. Who gives a damn what happens to the person? That gets, like, this weird, like, oh, that's it? That's th- There's there's no thought behind it. It's just violence, 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 this sadistic nature that gets kind of creepy and weird. Versus spec ops, like, you do have those. Maybe you even do the same things. But you have this question behind it where it, it like, asks you, you know, do you're having fun yet kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I think in, in that regards, it's it's almost not so much what violence is shown like maybe postal and, and uh, hatred aren't that violent maybe they don't even maybe, maybe it has like the same amount of violence as even dragon age has but because dragon age has this conversation about it maybe spec cost has this conversation about it that's what makes it okay and worthwhile and in art form versus look i you know shot up a school or something i, I don't know anything about those games <laughs> but so yeah no, it's it's worth noting. Like I said, um, we I guess we I guess we I mean I don't want to say you and me, but all of us have some sort of responsibility, I guess, to say to evaluate that. Right? Mm-hmm. It, it kind of goes back to the if you look back at the responsibility that we were talking about with evaluating how how necessary or how valuable the depictions of sex are in video games. We should do the same mm-hmm. thing for violence. We mm-hmm. should be asking ourselves, what is the purpose of this violence? what is the purpose of this scene regardless of the violence and how does the violence effectively contribute to why this scene is a part of your narrative or a part of the experience even if it's just purely through gameplay so i guess yeah i guess the gaming community kind of does have that responsibility to ask the question and to and to make sure that this is what we want um within within our hobby within this exploration of narrative or just gameplay um and yeah i guess i'm pretty i'm pretty um pretty confident that um postal and um, what was the other one? Hatred or not? Like yeah. we, we don't hold those up as as um, we don't hold those up as like the examples of what gaming can be. And even to the extent that like you know, looking back at that E three several years ago, where the demo for The Last of Us ended with the shotgun to the face and everybody cheered. Mm-hmm. Even if we look at something like that, or even if we look at the success of God of War. 
The Last of Us is not a game about shooting people in the face with a shotgun, right? It's it's about struggle and survival and a very, very personal, excellent story if anyone hasn't played The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the God of War at many points makes itself explicitly about restraint and about control and about maturation. And it's a story about a father and son. So it's a lot more than just smashing an axe down on people's heads. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I I feel like um, something I see it I mostly ever see it about sexuality, but I think there is some hullabaloo about it on uh, violence. But um, you you kind of mentioned earlier that we as the gaming community have responsibility or have a responsibility. This is where you take your alcohol and spill it all over yourself. Um, <laughs> uh, responsibility to like kind of uh, not really police isn't the right word, but like strive to do like give some thought behind violence. I feel like there's some people that are like, oh, why, why does everything have to have a meaning behind it? And blah, blah, blah. I, that doesn't necessarily have a meaning. It just makes sure, kind of like Doom, you know what I mean? Like, the the meaning behind Doom is just to get out of hell and you just have a lot of fun. Like, that's a good meaning behind it, you know? Yeah, like, just, yeah it works. Just kill some demons. It like, works. That's okay. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, this, you know, artsy-fartsy kind of the speckle ops sign. Just do it well. It's there, there. I took a class one time and the teacher loved this um, f- a vocab word, I guess, called soundly engineered, where like, as long as it works and it works well and you engineered it to do exactly what it's doing or maybe even accidentally, but as long as it's doing something positive, then it's it's good, you know? It's, um, I, I guess I'm saying that having some thought behind it doesn't take away the soul of it either. Like a lot of people are kind of afraid that like, oh, you're going to get preachy with the violence. Like that's not what I, I think we're saying. It's just have violence make sense. You know, you don't, don't just throw it in there for no reason. Or if it is for, if it is for no reason, then make sure you're discussing why it's for no reason. If you know what I mean? Yeah. So. What I, what I always um, tell people like that about anything, whether it's sex or violence is, Essentially, when they're saying, why does everything have to have a meaning? My response is, it has a meaning anyway. Whether mm-hmm. you acknowledge it, it, it always has a meaning. And thoughtlessness is just a really ridiculous way to try and parse through that. Like, it has a meaning anyway. You're just not looking close enough. And so mm-hmm. if it's going to have a meaning, you know, let's make sure it's a relevant one. Like you said, maybe not a hoity-toity fancy one, but at least that both the partaker in the activity and the person who crafted it gave some thought to what the meaning is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you have anything else to say on violence i've got nothing else to say do you have anything else to say uh <laughs> no <laughs> i just wanted to <laughs> oink the pig <laughs> oh lord um well yeah okay i think i think going into this i was afraid like we would get stuck on just one topic but i think i think we did all right <laughs> we, we covered quite a bit i think we did i think we did good who knows we might even find again when what we said when the next dragon age or something comes out we might even revisit this topic who knows maybe maybe we might even have uh, just uh one episode of sex and violence <laughs> Maybe it's just the same episode. I don't know. Or maybe even Anthem, because that's coming out soon. I think, uh, what, what's, uh, oh, tomorrow's the first day of May. Excuse me. But next month, technically, when this is out, 
Uh, we'll ha- we'll finally get some uh, more information on Anthem. Are you excited about that? I I am excited for all of the rampant speculation to come down at least a little bit. You know, at least we can have something concrete. Uh, and then I think we're going to have more. I you think, think they're just going to spin the more information they give us, the more we're going to come up with ourselves. <laughs> yep, yep, oh, yep. No. We're like, oh, they they didn't specifically say that this wasn't a loot box, so it must be from a loot box. <laughs> That's that's what I'm thinking. I like your so. I like your Bioware skeptic voice. <laughs> <laughs> if I can remember what it sounds like, I'll pull it up. Can we um um beforehand? Uh, so like the, yeah, they're they're probably going to have like a um uh some sort of like li- uh, live streamed event where you get to see it. Can we have like a bingo card? Can we make a bingo card for like oh this like. <laughs> Not so much about the press conference, but everyone's reactions. Like, oh, I can't believe this is this much price or something. Because I, I feel like there's going to be so much responses that we can predict. And that I don't know. It, I think it'd be kind of funny to just sit there and be like, oh, there's that. There's that. Oh, <laughs> someone complained about loot boxes. Bingo. Bing- bingo card and <laughs> drinking game. For there's the already anthem. two posts on our gaming talking about how we should what's the word boycott ea because loot boxes and there's that one thing and ea is the antichrist they have does ea have an event before e3 yes i think so yeah i think they have um it's it's either uh i think it's called ea ea play play yeah i think i couldn't remember that was the some weird company like EA Motive or if that was an actual thing. But um, yeah, I think EA plays like the Sunday before maybe if I'm thinking. I, I I looked at it once like a week ago. I can't remember. Well I know they have their I know they have one that's in relation to E3. I thought they had another mm-hmm. separate event that they did like a couple of months before. I might be wrong about that. Um, but in either in either event, whatever happens we'll we'll talk about it. Alright. Well stay tuned on Twitter if we do anything weird. <laughs> um <laughs> anyway, I think with that we need to end this episode because I think this has been going on for a while. Um, where can they find you, Jordan? Uh, they can find me under the Exalted March. It's the Exalted March on Twitter and on Instagram, and of course uh, on YouTube. Uh, and then you can find me, uh, Gilder Thalen, on YouTube and Twitter, and then on Reddit at uh, what's my Reddit name? Uh, Gillanon. There we go. <laughs> All right, I guess, guys, with that, Doris Sherald.